Awesome. Well, happy Sunday. Good morning to everybody. My name is Jared. I'm the student ministry pastor here at Olive Branch. It's great to have you. Real, uh, thanks for the shout out. Real quick, shout out back to one of my leaders. Happy birthday. Love you, Matt. Uh, um, you look older. It's uh, what you want to hear on your birthday, right? Uh, real quick, though, before we get any further, uh, I want to do a sort of sanity check. Uh, uh, for myself, because this week something went viral on the internet, and you may or may not know what we're about to reference or what I'm about to reference. Uh, and if you heard Laurel real quick, the whole Laurel Yanny thing, if you heard Laurel, raise your hand for me, please. Okay, if you heard Yanny, raise your hand. Okay, we're going to pray for you guys, because um, that, that's not happening. That wasn't there. Uh, and if you didn't raise your hand, ask somebody who rose their hand, and then you can go home and, and have your own uh, civil war. Uh, um, no, so anyways, moving forward, uh, we're, we're getting into, uh, back into Colossians here as we go through this series, um, Simple Faith, where we look at how Paul is trying to sort of address these Christians in Colossae to stop complicating their faith and stop adding to it and being influenced by other stuff and caring about the things they shouldn't care about. Um, and, and just to simplify it, and just really, it's just, it's just about Jesus. And this next passage um, uh, that we're going to be in, which is uh, the beginning of chapter 3 in Colossians, uh, is, is a passage I like a lot. It uses an imagery and an idea that I, that I really like that is used throughout uh, the New Testament a little bit, um, and, and really especially verse 12. So let me just read verse 12 for you. It says, Therefore, as God's uh, chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I just love that, that like the way it talks, he talks about it and like clothing yourself, right? It's like you're shopping in God's closet. Like, oh, I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on my, uh, you know, my, my, my kindness cardigan and my humility hat. And I'm just going to shop in God. Like, it's just this imagery is really cool. I just like it. It's a verse that, you know, you will wake up and you open up your little Jesus-y calendar with the verses on. Like, that's, that's one of the verses in there for sure. Right? Uh, the problem, though, is my message today is not titled Shopping in God's Closet. It's titled Forget the Curb Appeal, and that will make sense here in a minute. Um, but when I, when I first started looking at this passage a few weeks ago after, uh, you know, Greg told me that I was going to be preaching on it, um, I went to him and I was like, hey, Greg, did you know that you separated the verses, like you, you told me, like you don't want me going past verse 11? Like verse 12 is really awesome and like, you don't have me going. Because when I've taught on this passage in the past to students, uh, I, I usually like don't stop at verse 11 I, because if I'm honest, verse 12 is, is like the, the, the ride at the amusement park. It's, it's the fun thing. It's what we look forward to. It's the good part. Whereas verses 1 through 11 that I get to preach on today is sort of the line before you get on the ride. Uh, or maybe even the traffic on the way to Disneyland, right? And, and so while on the surface level for me, I was like, man, Greg, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I don't think you split it up right. Like, I think I should get to, I think I should get to talk about the good part. And, or let's flip. I'll do next weekend. You do this weekend. Uh, uh, but we're here. And to be honest with you, God has is, is, uh, revealed a lot to me and, and, and stretched me in some good ways through this study. Um, and so we're, we're going we're gonna to get into it because here's the thing. Before we get to verse 12, Paul lays out some stuff in these first 11 verses that, that we have to look at. Before we get to go shopping in God's closet, um, he sort of tells us why we're even able to shop in his closet, uh, what's required of us as believers to be able to shop in his closet and put on the good stuff. 
And also, too, he, he'll explain towards the end, right before uh, verse 12, what it really means for us as, as a community of believers and what it looks like um, to, to live out these requirements and do these things before we put on um, the good stuff. Uh, so that being said, let's stop and pray before we uh, get too much further into this. God, again, we thank you for this morning. Um, we thank you for uh, time and place to be able to come and worship you freely. God, more than anything, we just ask that this time right now would be honoring to you, that it would bring us closer to you in relationship um, and closer with each other in community. God, I pray that right now that uh, you help me to speak clearly and that um, these words would be yours and, and not mine, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So who's ever, who's ever been shopping for a home ever? Like even whether or not you ended up buying a home, but like you've looked. Like even just for fun, like window shopping. I don't know if you can window shop for homes, but uh, I guess you just open up the Zillow app and look around like, oh, wow, their house is worth that much next door? That's why, just because they have a pool? That's not fair. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, right? And so anyways, shop house, shop housing, house shopping can be fun. I'm still waking up. Usually I don't speak till third service in youth, so pray for me. Um, so shopping for your house can be fun. I remember when my wife and I uh, first went house shopping or before we got married about 10 years ago, uh, we were both kind of excited, right? Because you, you, you know what you want. Uh, you, you, you get this idea of your dream house, right? Like, oh, every, every, every room is going to have its own bathroom and a walk-in closet. And there's going to be granite countertops and the floors will clean themselves and ceiling fans will already be in every room, and there's going to be a balcony on the front and the back. Like, for me, I've always wanted a house with a balcony. I think it's, like, the adult, like, treehouse. Um, I just, just more than anything, I just want to be able to live in a place that has, even if I don't have a two-story home, I, I, want, it, I want it to have a balcony. Uh, it's, it's just, like, oh, get on the roof. I don't know. Somehow being high. Maybe I'll just build a treehouse. That might be easier. Uh, um, right? And we had this idea. Here's the thing. When we went shopping for our first home, it was in Arizona. And uh, we were actually lucky with the timing of it because it was about a year and a half after the bubble, the housing bubble burst. Um, but even still, like, we weren't making a lot of money and we weren't going to get approved for much. And so we realized uh, what our realtor kind of told us, like, hey, your best option to live where you want to live is probably going to be like a foreclosure or a short sale. And so he took us around looking at foreclosures and short sales. Here's the thing. In Arizona, you pull in, a neighborhood will look nice. And even the outside of the house will look nice, right? The curb appeal is fantastic. Uh, but what you need to know about Arizona is it's pretty much all desert landscapes. And you don't have to water your rocks very often to, keep, you know, to make sure they grow and don't die. Uh, and so pretty much every house always looks nice outside compared to the others. And, and what we learned is that we would go in and the curb appeal would often be let down, especially in the foreclosures, because... Right? People just went through a really difficult circumstance. And if you've been through one, you know, like, it's not fun and it's, it's not a great process. And, and sometimes you feel like it's not your fault. And so, like, on the way out of their homes, they'll be like, you know what? These cabinet doors, like, they don't, people who live here won't need them. I'm going to take those with me. Uh, and this water heater would be, I think, might work better if I put some holes in it. Right? Like, you just, the place is destroyed and you'd be let down. Like, you get your hopes up. Oh, great neighborhood. Looks nice on the outside. And you know how many rooms and stuff are in there, and you're like, yes, we can make babies and fill them with the rooms, put the babies right, and, and you get in, and it's just destroyed. The curb appeal would be such a letdown, but for us, right, our appearance of what we see, um, our first impressions, all that is so important to us. We care so much about curb appeal, 
and, and appearance. So much so that if you're ever selling a home, they're like, just you know, spend the money on the outside to make it look nice. Just so people fall in love before they walk inside and see the tragedy, right? And 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 even like I watched a study on like on how much we value appearance, and they did it with wine. They took just some junky wine, and they put the same wine in a box, and they took that same wine and put it in like a, a fancy bottle and created their own made-up fancy wine label brand, and they had people taste the wine. Like they gave them, they poured some out of there into a glass and poured some out of there in the glass, handed them it's the exact same wine, they tasted the wine out of the box, and then they tasted the, I don't, that's probably not how you drink wine. Uh, <laughs> uh, right? And, and taste it out of there. And, and they asked them, how much would you spend on this wine? The one out of the box, oh, five bucks, two bucks, whatever. The one out of the fancy bottle, like $100, $1,000, all kinds of money, right? And like, it's the exact same wine, but because we value appearance so much, we value labels so much, we value curb appeal so much, we assume that what the, we see on the outside represents what we see on the inside, but it's just not true. And, and we even live this out in our faith, and it's what uh, the people in Colossae were doing that Paul's trying to speak to. Like, hey, you need to stop just trying to look really spiritual. You need to stop just trying to live your faith out like you're, you're the closest person with God that exists. It's not about your appearance, all right? When we look, we're actually going to go back to uh, one verse um, from last week, the last verse of chapter 2, 23. And I'm going to read the first couple of verses of chapter 3, just so we can see the shift that Paul makes, this point that he's trying to make. So he says, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. So he's talking about, right, like the religious holidays and all the religious traditions and, you know, worshiping angels and all these different practices that they're being influenced to do. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual sensual indulgence. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Right? And so he, he makes this shift where he, he tells us, listen, we need to stop worrying about our appearance and we need to focus on our hearts and our minds. All the language he just got done using at the end of chapter two is, is outward language. It's, it's appearance. It's what people can see. You guys, he's saying, hey, you and Colossae, you're all focused on what everybody sees you do in your life. You're focused on your spiritual appearance. What you need to do is shift that focus to your hearts and to your minds. Your, your, your version might say, instead of set your hearts, it might say seek things above and set your minds on things above, right? And, and what he's really saying is you could even translate it to desire things above and care about things above. Because when he says think about things above, he's not like sit around all day and just be like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay, Jesus, right? Like that's not what he's, he's not saying to literally just think think, but what he's speaking to is more internal than just your thoughts. He's speaking to your desires and your cares. What do you desire the most? What do you care about the most? And in order to really do that, we have to forget the curb appeal. We have to let go and stop worrying about what do people see in my life as a Christian? Do I look Jesus-y enough to everybody around me? And instead of that, kind of shift from the curb appeal into the kitchen. 
Now, some people have not heard this phrase, get out of my kitchen. And me personally, I've said it, and I'll give you some context. So you would say, get out of my kitchen, if someone's like, hey, I don't think uh, you're spending your money wisely, and let's talk about your finances and how much you make. Like, when people want to talk about your personal finances, like, get out of my kitchen, right? Like, we're not going to, who are you to talk to me about my finances? When people want to be like, hey, the, you know, the, you're not parenting your child right. Let me tell you the appropriate way to punish your son or daughter or deal with their awfulness. They're a wretched human being, and you need to fix it. You're doing something wrong, right? Like get out my kitchen. Like don't tell me how to parent, right? Because our kitchen for us, and in the same way we do that kind of spiritually as well, the kitchen for us is our hearts and our minds can often be this place of, of it's like the unholy of holies, right? And the Jews, they had the temple and in the temple was the holy of holies where God's presence was, where only the high priest was allowed. And like for us, our heart, our desires are what we care about in our mind, what we dwell on oftentimes can be a sort of unholy of holies. We're like, no, 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 we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to go in there. You certainly don't get to go in there. We are not going to do that, right? But here's the thing. Paul is pretty clear. He says you, you have to. You got to shift. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That in and of itself can be one of those like Jesus-y calendar verses, Right? And, and it sounds good and nice, and it's this great, encouraging reminder to set our things on, or set our minds and hearts on things above. But what he's really saying is, 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 listen, like you're a new life, right? He says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. So, in other words, who you are now as a believer, as a Christ follower, you're not the same person you were before. No, you didn't, like, you know. You weren't physically reborn, but you were spiritually reborn. You, you were totally, you were a totally new person. You were a totally new creation. And so for that reason, you don't have to worry about your appearance anymore. Stop worrying about, do I look like Jesus? And just start telling yourself, I need to be like Jesus. Stop focusing on the curb appeal and get in your kitchen. Look at your desires. What do you care about? It's, it's sort of this, this concept of like, right, like all of us have been in some level of schooling at some point in our lives, right? So when you go to school and when you were in school, you had your parents and they, they only cared about what at the end of each quarter or semester or whatever? What did they care about? What? what? Grades. Yeah, right? They wanted you to have good grades. Now, my parents, they were, you know, they knew me. And they were realistic, so it was like, Jared, just get C's and no comments of talks too much in class, and we're going out for steak dinner. Um, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> True story. Uh, and, um, and I would be like, I don't want steak. That's gross. Let's go to Red Robin. Uh, <laughs> Endless fries. Um, and, and right, but school, right, it gets to the point where, okay, um, our parents care about, care about our grades. The school cares about the grades. Colleges, what's your GPA? And so what a lot of us do, we go, man, it is, it's really hard to actually learn the subject for me in the time that they want me to learn it in. But all I really need is the A because that's all they care about. They don't really care how much I know. They just, does it look like I know it? Can I get an A in the class? And so I'm going to sit next to the person during the test who does know it. And I'm going to go home and do my homework with the person who will do it for me and pass my class for me, right? I, 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 I passed some classes doing that. I got my Spanish, my Spanish uh, freshman year, first semester, got a D. I learned the system. Second semester, A+. 
The counselors brought me in. They're like, we don't really know what to do with this. Usually if someone gets a D, they take the whole year over. But you got an A plus in the second. We don't understand how you did that. And I'm like, no say. Uh, <laughs> don't know. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, right? And so it's, it's, hard, it's hard to stop focusing and get out of that mindset of appearance doesn't matter. Um, just to be a little bit vulnerable with you, this week I got my haircut. The last time I got my haircut was two months ago when I preached in big church. Uh, right? Like, I'm preaching. I'm going to be in front of adults. I have to pretend like I clean myself. And... <laughs> Like my wife is married to a human who knows how to clean himself. And I'm going to make sure that my nice shirts don't get worn until this weekend. And I'm going to try and look pretty, right? Like we care about our appearance a lot. But what's amazing is, is, is Paul brings this point up of, hey, listen, you, you've been raised new in Christ. You don't need to worry about your appearance anymore. Let's just talk about your desires and what you care about. And, and, and there's a reason we're actually able to do that. In the next couple of verses here, in verse 3 and 4, if I can get this to work, there we go. Uh, verse 3 and 4, it says, listen, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So when we read that, that can maybe be ambiguous. What does it mean? Like, okay, so when Jesus shows up, we get to hang out with him, yay. But it's bigger than that, right? Remember, for them, these Colossians, right, they are trying to look as spiritual as possible. They are trying to be as close with the creator, with God, as much as possible. And they, and they want to do it better than anyone else. So they're going to observe all the religious holidays and traditions and, and everything that they're supposed to do. They're going to make sure that they're doing it because for them, the ultimate goal is to be with God. And Paul is saying, listen, you have a new life and it is with God in Christ or with Christ in God, you are already in relationship with God. And there is no, for them, there is no higher goal, achievement, or anything that they, that they want than to be with God. And to be in a relationship with God. And Paul is saying, listen, you don't have to worry about looking like you have it because you already have it. So just work on, are you trying to be like God? Instead of looking like you're with him. And to be honest with you, there's no greater achievement or goal that then, than we could have as people still to this day than to have a right relationship with God, one who created everything. And that, that's, that's as good as it gets. There is nothing better than to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, right? It is like a treasure hidden in the field. You dig it up, you find it, you bury it, you sell everything you have so you can go buy that field. It is worth everything to be in a relationship with God. And it's only possible because of what Jesus did. See, Jesus ultimately freed us from having to worry about our appearance. Man, like that's, that's amazing. Like it is Keeping up our appearance in the world is hard. Keeping up our appearance in the church, we make it hard on ourselves. And we don't have to. Jesus has freed us from having to worry about our appearance. Imagine if you were in school and, and, and the principal just one day says, hey, no more grades. From this point forward, we're not doing report cards. We're not doing grades. School is just going to be about learning. That's it. We're just going to learn, and that's it. Grades don't. It's almost as if schools were set up to do that, 
right? But the problem is, is it's too hard to really tell, well, how do we know who knows what? We got to do tests. We got to have grades. And, and it ends up, the system works against us. I'm not like here to change the education system because that's not my calling. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is, is it's for us spiritually, that's what Jesus says. Hey, you don't have to worry about getting A on your Christian report card. Like your grades are set. You're final. Like you, you've been accepted into the university that everybody wants to get into, right? You've been accepted into the university of the kingdom of heaven. You're good. You're there. So just try to be like the person that is there instead of just looking like the person that's there. But these next few verses, if I'm honest, is, is like the, the verses 5 through 8 that we're about to get into are sort of the verses that, that I would like to skip. Like I would really love to go from verse 4 straight to verse 12. Focus on things above. We have a new life in Christ. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, go shopping in his closet. Like let's, let's do, because these next few, like this is, these next few verses are the let's get in the kitchen a little bit. Let's, let's deal with some stuff. He sets up this requirement like, hey, if you're going to put off the old, there's something you, or put off, put on the new, there's something you got to do, right? And, uh, and so let's read verses five through eight together. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Like, I just, I love to imagine, like, if it was me in Colossae reading this letter, like, from Paul, like, okay, set your mind and your hearts on things above. You have this new life in Christ. We're going to just think about things above. It's all about things above. And then he goes, and since we're doing that, uh, let's go ahead and talk about your earthly nature. Like, back up. Hold up, Paul. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Earthly? Like, no, we're going to go put on and go shopping in God's closet. And we're going to talk about things above. Like, that, I don't, I don't want to look at my earthly nature, right? It's, it's, it's hard. No one, like, let's just talk about the things above, like the earthly nature. Those two are in contrast with each other, but we have to deal with it. And no one likes talking about our earthly nature, right? It reminds me of when I was a freshman or going into my freshman year of high school, first day of school, I'm in PE. My name gets called, go up to the PE teacher. Hey, we want you, you know, he looks at me, he goes, um, you're too big to be playing uh, or to be in PE. You need to be in a sport. I'm like, um, no, my schedule says PE. And he goes, no, you're going to meet with all the coaches of all the sports. You're going to pick one. So I picked football because that's what all my friends were in. I happened to be pretty decent at it. But before I could start playing football, they said, you got to go get a physical. You got to go to the doctors. You got to see a doctor to make sure that, you know, you're cleared to play because otherwise your parents will sue us and that's how California works. And, and so we go to the doctor and I go with my Nana because my parents work with so my Nana, my mom's mom, she takes me to the doctor to get my physical. Never had a physical ever in my life. All I know is, is I'm going there so a doctor can be like, yes, you can breathe and move and run, go play football because that's what I assumed that they were gonna check. So we get into the room, we get in the exam room, me, my Nana, in the exam room with me for my physical. Uh, <laughs> at this moment, totally acceptable. 
I'm like, yeah, please hang out because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Yes, give me drugs. No, don't give me drugs. I don't know, right? So I have parental guardianship. And so she's in the room with me. Doctor comes in, very nice lady. Uh, <laughs> checks my heart, right? Check, like pull all this stuff. Yes, you have a heart, you have lungs, and I'm assuming go play football, right? And so she, after all that, she goes, okay, take off your pants. Um, no. I said a few other choice words in that moment that I can't share in this sermon. Uh, when my Nana, she starts losing it. She's laughing hysterically. But here's what I know in this moment, right? In that moment, I'm in, I don't know you, doctor, just because you have a pretty white coat and little hairy scope things and a name tag with an M and a D in front of your name, like, just doesn't mean you get to say, take off my pants. Like, that's not how this works. We're not doing it. I'm, this not, a, I'm not about this. Uh, I'm, I don't know a lot about football yet, but I'm pretty sure you don't need me to take my pants off to know that I can play the sport. I'm just going to tell you. Like, I went, like, full on, I gave the doctor this lecture, and she just went, okay, fine, we don't need to. Go ahead, go play football. You know, my Nana later explained what was going to happen, what she was going to do, and so I dreaded my next physical next year. I was so scared uh, for a solid year of that moment, but I survived, right? But here's the deal. We don't like to be exposed as people. Physically, we, we're not a fan of it, but I think even more so spiritually, we don't like to be exposed, we, we, it's, it's not a fun process, but here's the deal. If we're going to put on the new, putting on the new requires dealing with the old. If we're going to put on the new, we have to, we have to deal with the old, right? You, you have to sort of look at yourself and, and, and examine your earthly nature, and it can't be just about putting on the new. Like they require, it's a lot like, like exercise and dieting. If you're going to exercise, you also need a good diet to go with it. I got some proof off of Twitter from a person who had M and D in front of their name. Uh, if you consume one 20 ounce soda, you have to walk four and a half miles to burn it off. If you, some of you are like, oh, that's my problem. Uh, if you consume one supersized fast food meal, you have to run four miles a day for one whole week to burn it off. I've maybe ran a total mile combined in the past year, right? Like, you can't just exercise your way out of a diet. Maybe you've heard that before, or out of a bad diet. Uh, maybe you've heard that before. It needs both. I've tried. At one point, I was 300 pounds, and each time I try to lose weight, I would just exercise. I'd lose some, and then I'd just stop at, like, 280, and I couldn't lose anymore, but that's because I didn't change my diet. We have to have both, and the same is true for us spiritually. We can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to pursue Jesus. I I'm just going to put on the good and yet not be willing to give ourselves an inward examination and, and, and ask ourselves, man, what am I desiring the most right now in life? What in life do I, do I find myself caring the most about? Because if it's not about Christ, then like, that's, that's what Paul wants us to recognize. Because are, are, are we focused on really being like Christ or are we just satisfied with our curb appeal, our Christian curb appeal? We need both. Here's the thing. This, this inward examination that he's asking us to you or asking us to do is, is difficult. And if we're honest, like we're, we don't, even if we do it, and we recognize it, we're not necessarily about acknowledging it, right? What we, what we tend to do is hide. 
when we mess up, when we sin. We want to hide our ugly. We want to hide our mistakes. Uh, this past week, I was at home. It was just me and my youngest daughter, Juliet. She's two and a half years old. Her sister was at preschool in the moment. It was my day off. And I'm sitting there. We're in the same room. And I see her. She has one of her sister's Barbies in one hand and a pin in the other, ready to open up Barbie's tattoo parlor. And I'm looking at her. And I give her a look like, um, no. And she catches me. I'm looking at her. And she goes, hmm, maybe... I shouldn't do this. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you should. This isn't actually verbally happening. This is that nonverbal parental child conversation superpower that God gives us, right? And, and she's like, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, again, all nonverbally, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do, but I'm going to go run into the other room really fast with this Barbie and this pin in my hand. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I trust you to be in the other room with that. So I get up, go in the other room. And sure enough, she's in there. I'm like, Juliet, what are you doing? Poof, he like throws the pin in the Barbie. Like, it's not in my hands. Didn't catch me. I'm not doing anything wrong. I love you, daddy. You're pretty, right? <laughs> like, when, when we get caught, when we, when we recognize that what we're doing is wrong or that there's something wrong in us or there's something broken in us, we, we try to cover it up. I mean, Adam and Eve in the very beginning, like, sin. I know how we can hide our sin. Bushes, psh, 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 right? Like, Maybe we aren't trying to hide our sin with bushes nowadays, but I think what we tend to do and what they were doing in Colossae is we try to hide our, our ugly, our brokenness, right? Our, our, our sinful desires with our good deeds. Oh, you know what? I, I go to church every weekend. I, I tithe all the time. Last year, I actually started tithing Tithe and a half, that's 15%, because tithe is 10 scripturally, right? Half of 10, five, 15%, tithe and a half percent, right? Like, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I'm good. We don't, need to, we don't need to do the inward exam. I'm fantastic. Don't worry about me, right? We, we try to hide it. We think our good deeds can hide it. But here's the deal. These next few verses, 9, 10, and 11, he kind of goes through what it, what it means for us when, when we say, okay, I'm willing to look at my desires, I'm willing to look at what it is I care about. In verse 9, he goes, he says, uh, so so this is the first thing he says, says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices. So after after this inward exam, the first sort of response is, okay, now don't lie to each other about it. In other words, you need to be honest with each other. So right now we're all going to stand up and we're going to share our deepest, darkest sins with each other. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Right? But he says, don't don't lie to each other. Don't hide this stuff. Like, if you're going to look at your desires and, and, and what you care about the most, like, then you have to be honest with each other about it. Stop focusing on the appearance and talk about what you need, because here's the deal, just real quick, one of my favorite stories that, that illustrates this from the Gospels is when Jesus has this woman caught in adultery brought before him, right? Woman caught in adultery, crowd comes before, they've got stones, rocks, and hands ready to throw at this woman because she's been caught in adultery. And, and, and they're asking Jesus, the whole point is they're trying to trap Jesus, because if he says, yes, stone her, then Rome's going to come in and be like, Psh, you're done, that's not how we do, you don't, you're not Caesar, you don't get to say, you're not in charge here. Or if he says, don't stone her, then like all the Jews are going to be like, well, you're going against what God wants us to do, what, what, or what's in our law, what's in Torah, so he loses respect, and so what he does is he drops his little Jesus juke, and he's like, I'll tell you what, who's ever without sin can cast the first stone, Right? In this moment, what he's doing, he goes, why don't you all real quick take, take an inward exam? Take a look at your hearts 
and your minds, what do you desire and care about? Check out your earthly nature real quick. And if it's perfect, then you get to throw that first rock, right? And, and he helps them recognize in that moment, here's, here's the beautiful thing. When we are honest and we're willing to look at what we desire and care and recognize all the ways that we fall short of God and perfection in that, it, it helps us to look at each other and not see the differences and, and not see the sin and, and, and to stop just judging each other left and right. And, and it stops creating division and, and it creates unity. Man, it would be a powerful statement and if as believers, as in your uh, close community, close circle of believers, instead of just saying, hey, how's it going? If we sort of ask like, how did you need Jesus this week? Because it opens up that door of like, you know, have you been, have you been checking your, your heart? Have you been checking your desires? Let's be honest and open with each other. Verse 10 the next thing he says is, and have, and since you've taken off the old, and verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Um, oh, stop right there. So which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image creator. The key words here in this specific verse is being renewed. In other words, it's not that you have been renewed, right? And, and that, that, that one moment, Jesus renewed you, you're done, your renewal is over, so now you're perfect. Let's all walk in on water and turn water into wine and, and do miracles with water, uh, right? Like, it's, it's, it's more than that. It is this process. It is a daily process that we are supposed to be in where we are looking at ourselves, not on the outside, not at our curb appeal, but on our hearts, and our minds, what are we desiring? What are we caring about? And is it what God desires? Is it, is it what he cares about? Or is it something above God? Is, how is our sexual immorality, our impurity, our lust, anything that we are putting above God affecting us? And being honest with it. Because when we're willing to look at our hearts and our desires, we, we, we stop just looking like Christ. And that's when we really start to be like Christ. And that's the point. And then the last verse, it almost seems out of place. But verse 11 says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Man, when, when we take this inward exam and when we live this out as believers... What it really, really does is it helps us to stop seeing the differences. It's, it's no more like, oh, you're, you're not a Christian or, or you're that Christian who sins this way or you're that person who's a hypocrite and sins that way or whatever. You're, that, you're just a stoner or whatever. Like all these different ways that, that we label people and focus on appearance, we stop seeing those things because that's not what it's about. When we look at our hearts, what we recognize is, man, I am no different than every single person around me. I am in just much need of Christ as the next person. And when we recognize the need in ourselves, we can recognize the need in others a little bit better. And instead of judging them, we show them the love and grace, the same love that Jesus showed us. And all of this, if I could sum up these three verses into one little statement, it is that verbal, vulnerable honesty creates community. When we're verbal and, and vulnerably honest with each other, that's what creates a true community. 
and being real with each other and not just, hey, I'm at church, I'm fantastic, I'm here, my life is good, I'm doing great. Right now, I'm not saying like we should all walk in here every Sunday and, and just with, you know, because we can't all know everybody. It's a pretty large church. But you hopefully have a community of believers where you can be open and honest with, where you can be vulnerable with them. And vice versa, they can be vulnerable with you and you're not going to judge them. And they're not going to feel judged. Because here's the thing, ultimately we all want to be like Christ, but we need to forget our Jesus-y curb appeal. And focus on our hearts. What is it we really desire? What is it we really care about? And, and be willing to look at and be honest with ourselves and others how we're desiring and caring about things that, that God wants no part of and things that aren't good. And talking about that and being honest about our brokenness. So I just want to take a moment to just close in prayer. And, and if you need prayer at the end, we'll have a prayer team in the back corner. Um, or if you want to go there now and pray with someone. But if you've, if you've never even just said you're ready to stop worrying about appearances in your life and let, and let Jesus free you from that, man, then, then ask Christ right now to free you from having to worry about appearance, of trying to be good or look good so that you can just know Christ and his forgiveness and just genuinely try to be like Christ. And for the rest of us, I think that let's take this time just to pray together and, and ask God to help us as individuals and even more so as a community and family here at Olive Branch to be open and honest about our desires and our struggles so that we can support and encourage each other and pray for each other. Let's pray now. God, uh, thank you so much again for this, this passage. And I thank you for just putting it on Greg's heart to um, stop us short of verse 12 so that we don't miss the importance of needing to focus on not the curb appeal, God, and, and, and are the appearance of our faith, God, but are we really being like you? Are we really spending time with you? Or are we just focused on what we look like, God? So help us in that, to be honest with ourselves and how we fall short in our desires and our cares. And, and God, I, I pray that you really help us in the conversations with our fellow believers to be honest with them and to allow them to be honest with us. God, thank you for the love you give us no matter what. It's your name we pray, amen.